If you messed up like I did when I was your age in college, know that God loves you just the way you are. Come here, seven-year NFL veteran Steve Grant at the 14th annual RUC Fundraising Banquet. The theme this year is Choosing to Win. Join us for this special evening at the Villa Milano on March 10th. Festivities begin at 6, followed by dinner at 6.30, and then the program at 7 p.m. Make your reservations today at relationshipsunderconstruction.com. It's a new year, a new legislature, but the same old problems. Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principles and Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaels. You know, I'm glad to be back in the studio. Barry, you can't know how glad I am to be back in the studio with you. And now the people out there know because I keep saying, oh boy, I can't wait till Barry comes back because I enjoy the banter with me just sta- sitting up there talking, I do my best to kind of keep it light. I have been dealing with heavy subject matter. And, you know, when you go back in for your next infusion, we'll probably do uh, chapter three on that God, government, and governance. It's good to have you back. There is one issue I got to I gotta take care of before we start. Okay. And, that, and that is March 12th. March okay. 12th is the relationships under construction banquet i think you'll hear an ad for that at the beginning and at the end of this program and uh hopefully i'm sending them out to wlry and asking them to run the the advertisements but uh, relationships under construction is a sexual risk avoidance school program and i'd like to say christian based but we you can't be overtly Christian-based, and be in a public school. Everyone involved is a Christian, but we don't come out and say overtly that it's a a Christian. I just did it on the air, so I guess I could could be in trouble. We kind of have to be like the first century church. You have to keep it underground. We have to keep it underground, which is it's 180 degrees out of phase with what the original purpose of public education was. But that being said, again, March 12th, the banquet. It's where is it? It's at Villa Milano on Schrock Road in Westerville. If you've ever been there, the food is first rate. Uh, it is very good. Yes, it really is. It's lasagna and I believe it's uh, the chicken. And I'm gluten free, so I can't eat the lasagna. And I can tell you, it it almost brings me to tears every year because I minute I smell that, I'm like, oh no, no, no lasagna for Chuck. Yeah, but, uh, well, and, and and I'll just say one thing too, and, and you know, I haven't been I haven't been up to a event at the, at Bill Milano for a little bit, you know, maybe about a year and a half. But folks, it's incredible value for well, obviously there's no money involved; they're not selling tickets to this. It's by donation, you know, to the organization. If you feel moved to do so, and we hope everybody who goes will be, but you're going to get a massive amount of food for for the and it's all fantastic. I mean, Chuck, the last time we went together, that lasagna looked like it probably weighed two and a half pounds. Per oh, it's, it's gigantic. Yeah. It's massive. So, <laughs> yeah, guys, you know, you can go, they'll give you a dog, you know, they'll give you a carryout box, I'm pretty sure, if you can't finish it all. But you might have meals for two or three days out of this. <laughs> Um, yeah, we don't get we don't get that many out of it. <laughs> uh, no, well, my, my wife <laughs> loves that lasagna. I eat the chicken out of uh, necessity. But let me tell you something. 
that usually you say, oh, good, it's event chicken. It's really good. It's really good there. They they really do know their stuff. I mean, I've had the chicken. I've had prime rib. I've had the lasagna. I've had I've had numerous types of things that they fix there. And I'll tell you right now, I mean, I've gone to a number of events at that place. There has never been a bad meal. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Every time and, I have and, the, and, Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it sets a tone too, you know, because if you've got good service and, you know, good and good quality food, I mean, it does set a tone for people to be, you know, more generous too. And honestly, folks, that's what this is really all about. But this is a nonprofit organization that is working to try to protect our kids. I mean, you're hearing it every day now where at some school at school districts, if you've paying, been paying attention to any of the media, you now have administrators admitting that they're trying to slip past parents things like uh, the radical transgender movement and trying to encourage kids in that transgender movement. You've got the radical critical race theory stuff that has been basically outlawed in Ohio by policy, but yet you have the teachers unions and some of the administrators groups that are working behind the scenes to slip it in incognito and have actually been caught on videotape admitting that they're doing it and that they're violating the law. You need groups like Relationships Under Construction and the others that bring in a wholesome, healthy, life-affirming and self-empowering message to these young people that they don't have to follow the crowd. They don't have to go chasing after sexual promiscuity or any of the other dysfunctions that are out there. It's okay to say no, and it's okay to live in the body God gave you. And those are the kind of things that we hope that many people want to come. A lot of people want to come to hear the speaker. A lot of people want to come just to be involved with the organization. And some people just want to come because it's really good food. Whatever your reason, March the 12th, please come out. Please support Relationships Under Construction. And as much as you can, help underwrite their mission. You know, I work as a lobbyist, and RUC is, is one of the groups that I work with. And they're also one of the groups that I try to make sure that at least some state dollars that are being spent in the education field are going to be utilized to get this message into the schools for these kids. And we try to expand it each, each cycle, every budget cycle, because we want to try to see more kids being reached. Now, Chuck, we're in 202023 is the start of the new general. We're in the 135th General Assembly now, which means that next Tuesday, Mike DeWine is going to be giving a state of the state address. And then right after that, within two weeks, the governor is going to be presenting his executive budget recommendations to the House of Representatives to start the process of putting in place Ohio's two-year spending budget, the general operating budget. We're going to be working real hard to try to make sure that RUC's funding is not just not just a stays in there, but gets increased because, you know, we really want to see, because there are a lot of things that money's getting spent on that don't need to be being spent on. And there is a lot of money that uh, could be directed toward this effort. And, but you know what? They can't just depend on that because there's an there's a long way from here to finalizing a budget and actually having money come out of whatever agency pot it comes out of. They need your help. They need the grassroots to rise up, write the checks, maybe volunteer. If you've got a little bit of background and experience and you have a heart for kids, maybe, you know, contact them about going into the classroom and teaching them to. It's it's a fantastic organization. They're doing great work. They've been around for a long time, and we need to continue to support them because things aren't getting better from the side of the 
public education system. They are really agenda driven at this point in a large measure. And I can hear people now. Well, not in my local school. Well, uh, I'm, oh, I'm yes. guessing if you, if you dig in, yes, it's in your local school, too. At, at very least, you may have a teacher or an administrator who is more agenda driven than they are driven to make sure that kids succeed and learn their three R's. They, they want them to learn other things other than reading, writing and arithmetic. They'd rather them learn transgenderism, hating yourself because because of your race or rewriting history in order to undermine the family, undermine the accomplishments of the past and create a new future where we don't have any identity as a nation. That's really what's been going on. We really hope that RUC is at least fighting back against that darkness. And we know that they are, you know, you see the responses from the kids and from some of the admin, from some of the teachers and administrators, and definitely from the parents who are, they're overjoyed with this being in the classroom. Now, again, there are some people who don't, and it's sometimes it's hard for them to get into classrooms because of being fought by some of these agenda-driven leftists who hate God, who hate the family, and who really just want to treat kids like animals and say that the best that they can accomplish is running around like animals. And, and so, and we can give them all the tools to do that is what they want to do. And frankly, that is a massive disservice to our children. It's a massive insult to the families that uh, those children are coming out of. And it's a danger to our future and the education system. And so we really need RUC in there doing the work that they're doing. Yes. And there, by the way, Barry mentioned uh, teaching. There are slots open. for We, we RUC... And some of our collaborators in different parts of the state that uh, we administer funding for, everybody's short of teachers. We have money, and we in some school districts, we have people begging us to come, and we don't have a teacher to send. Guess what? That That's an opening for you. Now, is the pay really, you know, are you going to be able to buy your Maserati from your pay? No, you are not. But if you're dedicated, well, if, if you save, if you save every dime for fifty or sixty years, you might be able to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take the job. It's really designed for people who want to keep a toe in and families and that kind of thing, where someone has some time during the day where they can go out and teach the class according to the. And you're fully trained in the curriculum. There is a curriculum given to you. There are spots open if you meet the criteria, and you'll have to go to relationshipsunderconstruction.com to find that out and contact them, relationshipsunderconstruction.com. But we do need teachers desperately in several areas of the state. Now, I know WLRY doesn't get out widely, uh, super widely, but the fact that the podcast does. And we would uh, like to hear from you if you're interested in teaching. And uh, it, it, it's it's a, it's a little bit extra income, but that's not really the bottom line. The bottom line is you get to uh, help guide young people into a sort of a sane, safe, a really, truly safe place away from all the insanity. That's what we do. And to do that, we got to raise money. Now, Barry mentioned that we, we get some state uh, money. Yeah, we do. Not enough. That's why we have the banquet. The banquet is to give you a chance to help us raise the money that we need to pay the teachers, to pay the administrative costs, to pay the curriculum development costs. Because let me tell you, curriculum development is seriously not cheap. And 
keeping grant assessors and auditors happy. Again, not cheap. So we we really need you to come to the banquet, and it's never boring ever. No, good. It's always a good speaker. I can't remember who the speaker is this year, and and I'm um we're gonna put up the advertisement on our website, principledpolicy.com. But make also relationshipsunderconstruction.com will have it. Um, mm-hmm, absolutely, as well. You know, and here's the thing too: if you're interested in going and you're interested in sponsoring a table, you get to pick six. I'm hoping you're bringing your spouse with you, but you get a table of eight, so you can pick six of your closest friends to come along too, and so you can just have a great little party, or you can pick six family members, or you can pick yeah. six strangers. You know, it's pick up six. To you. you know, pick six people from your church. We'd love to That's have right. church participation. Pick six people from your church. I I know that if a church is wants, to, for instance, I know a lot of churches will buy a booth. It's not expensive, um, but they'll take a booth at 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 this event when they come. And I, I think, I'm not even sure it actually costs anything. But they hand out the stuff to you know the memory stuff, pens and this and that and another thing, the advertising stuff. And if you're looking for a church, come come visit our church. Um, and then they have a table that they've sponsored with members of their church. And so that's open to you. If you're looking to sit with me, why you'd want to do that, I don't know. But I think I have one or maybe two open slots at my table still, and I'm not sure how much longer those will be open. But uh, I'm, there's n- no reason why I can't take a second table. So if you want to sit with me, I, we have no idea if Barry will be there or not. Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 hoping that uh, maybe I can I can make it, but I'm not sure. So we're not making any promises on that. No. Um, <laughs> you can come sit at my table, and uh, if you want to, give me give me an email. My email is director at principledpolicy.com. That's director at principledpolicy.com. And it's on the website, principledpolicy.com. Both Barry's and my emails are on there. I think Barry's having trouble with his director email, but, uh, uh yeah, there's, there's something that's, that's up. I haven't received a email on it in a while. I, I can tell you, I looked at your mailbox on the, yeah. server, on the server end. It's overflowing, a veritable cornucopia. So there's yeah. some some hookup problem. Yeah, there's some, there's some connection problem we can't figure out. So yeah, we'll get, we'll get I have an idea that, that a password has gotten corrupted or something. But in, in any case, director at principledpolicy.com. If you want to get a hold of Barry, it's a consult at principledconsult.com. You hear those advertisements for principled consulting. That's Barry's uh, consulting firm. Um, you can contact him through principled consult. I believe that's the principled consult.com. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I keep keep that website up and running. So, uh, (laughs) you can contact and I I appreciate it. No problem. Yeah. Contact us and we might have a spot for you at our table. Okay. I think we've, it's the old joke about, uh, I'd call that a, what was it? I'd call, I, I'd call him a, a necrophilic equestrian. Oh gosh. Can't remember the joke now. Uh, but the, uh, the punchline is that that would be beating a dead horse, a sadistic necrophilic equestrian, but that would be beating a dead horse. I see. I see. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going to with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I, I see. That's what happens. I, I need to practice my jokes before I use them. Well, that's right. Uh, 
Yeah. And, and hey, why not, you know, a little progress report on you? Oh, well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm holding, uh, you know, I've, uh, as people probably know, I'm, I'm battling stage four, uh, renal clear cell renal carcinoma, which is, uh, my kidney cancer decided to spread and, uh, it's now in my bones. So I'm, uh, got a hip bone and a couple of uh, spinal, um, column discs that are, uh, have been impacted. So I've been through radiation and I'm going through what's called immunotherapy right now, where they shoot me up with two, a mix of two different drugs and those go and super attenuate my immune system to go in and attack these uh, cancer cells. It right now, you know, and, and we're in the middle of it actually next week, Chuck, next Tuesday, I go in for the, my last round of the immuno on this. Um, and then after that, we're going to start doing some scans and measurements and see if the, uh, the, the cancers are shrinking, if they're receding, you know, they might have, they might have to do another like biopsy to see if uh, the cells are dying in there. I think it might be uh, working, you know, just from where I'm, I'm feeling because I've got a little bit more movement in my right leg than I, you know, basically I can't lift and move my right leg because yeah. of that tumor, yep. Yep. which is right on my hip. Uh, and it's affecting the muscles and the, and the tendons and everything else. But I've been able to move it a little bit better, but on, and, and I'm also getting, well, and it just may be from the fact that I've, you know, I'm, I'm not very mobile, but I've been getting places where my back feels like it's going out of place and coming back into place. And that could be from the shrinkage of the tumors in those discs, which would be a blessing. You know, I'll take a a little bit of uh, discomfort and pain that way. If it means that this cancer is being put into remission and, you know, being killed, I I would, I would really, you know, that's my prayer. Uh, Right now we know it hadn't spread any farther than that because they did like scans all over me. And, uh, and as I laughed, they, they did a MRI of my head and they were like, yep, we don't see anything there. And I'm like, well, I, I could have told you that there's nothing up there in my head. Uh, yeah, the, old, the old baseball joke, the guy the goes, in for, yeah, he gets beamed and he goes in for an x-ray and the x-ray show nothing. The x-ray showed nothing there. That's right. Well, my x-ray showed nothing there. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy that it's staying well South of, of you know, in my brain or any place else. So, but you know, we'll see. Um, I'll probably start another round of uh, scans and things after this is over with sometime in February or March, you know, because I think I got to let it run its course. And then depending on what we find, I may be working with uh, doctors at OSU about uh, doing a hip replacement. And I don't know about what they're going to do with the spinal column because uh, my lower L2 is does have a compression fracture from all this. So I don't know if they're going to have to go in and do some reinforcement of that or if it'll heal up on its own. You'll probably, um, if the cancer's gone, they'll probably do a fusion. Yeah, possibly so. So I have, I have quite a bit more to look forward to. And, I, and, and you know, and if it, these treatments haven't impacted the cancer and it's still there and, you know, God forbid it's actually growing and spreading, then I don't know what the next steps are. I mean, we may be looking at chemotherapy or we may be looking at me just, you know, saying, oh, well, God's will is what it is. And thank you for the time you've given me. We'll we'll say a prayer, folks, be in prayer. Uh, I've asked, I've urged every, every episode that I've done solo, I've ur- urged a uh, prayer for you. And I, I, continue, I continue to urge that. Please be in prayer for Barry. Uh, Barry and I have a mutual friend who's going through a very similar treatment. Yes, we, we have. And I think he had his last round of immuno last week. Yes. 
And from what I heard, he ended up with some complications. Now, I've been praising God because the only side effects I've been having from this immunotherapy, and if you read the product insert sheets on this stuff, I mean, you can have a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hyper, hyper, hyper uh, turbo boosting your immune system isn't something to play around with um, because it can hyper boost it to where it attacks healthy organs and cells. Right. And, you can end up and with autoimmune diseases and you all can end up with all kinds of autoimmune yeah. diseases and all kinds of so far. The only thing I've been getting is basically for about 10 days from the date of the shot, I'm just really fatigued and really tired. And, you know, my body's working overtime. And so I'm just, I just feel beat for about 10 days and, that, and of course, we do a shot every 21 days. So at least I have about half of the time where I'm feeling better, you know, and half the time where I'm feeling fairly beat. Um, but I'll take that because that's the only side effects that I'm having off of this. And when I feel pretty beat, you know, you, you ache and think, you know, if this is attacking those, those, those cancer cells, it's, you know, creating instabilities in those places where they've grown and fused to bone and things of that nature. So I get, you know, you get aches and if you ever had bone pain you'll know what i'm talking about it's not pleasant no no Uh, but thankfully but thankfully you know i haven't had to take any kind of like heavy painkillers or you know major opioids or anything you know i've been praising god for that too because we've been able to figure out a management plan using steroids and uh a a little product that uh chuck's company uh puts out called msm which is really wonderful for reducing inflammation and helping with that yeah. Um, and if, if you're uh, looking to look that up, rainrocknutritionals.com. Boy, we're getting the advertisements in today. That that ad runs also on our show. Um, rainrocknutritionals.com. Um, and uh, yeah, MSM, uh, short for methyl sulfonyl methane. Sounds, uh, ooh, sounds scary. It's a, believe it or not, it's an extract from tree pulp. Um, hey, I don't. I, I don't care. I I, I eat uh, raw paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a there's a product called DMSO. Many people who, especially people who have horses or cattle uh, or livestock, know about DMSO. DMSO and MSM are first cousins. Uh, the difference is one oxygen group, as I recall, and uh, they have similar properties. Except you can't mix things with MSM and have them be absorbed into every cell of your body. That's that's one of the things that DMSO will do, and you have to be careful with it. Uh, we don't have DMSO; we have MSM, which is a, again a tree pulp extract, just like DMSO, uh, which is dimethyl sulfoxide. Just if you care. Um, and again, those of you with animals, especially horses, uh, probably know all about DMSO because you mix it with uh, liniments and things and rub it into an affected joint and it pulls it right into the joint, not only just into the joint, but also in the bloodstream. So there you go. But again, MSM does not do that. It's dry. It's a capsule. Um, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, rainrocknutritionals.com and, uh, we appreciate that endorsement. Endorsed by Barry Sheets. I can put that uh, out on the advertising. <laughs> that would uh, um, that, that would certainly that would certainly drive away most of your business. Yes, <laughs> it depends on which side of the aisle they're on. Well, I guess well, so too. Not necessarily with what's going on in the Ohio legislature, though, right? Oh, that's true, and I'm so glad you used that segue. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, you know, we've got a new assembly that just got started here, Chuck, at the beginning of the month. 
and already it is uh, chaos. Uh, it's amazing because we thought the chaos may have settled down uh, after, you know, having speakers like Cliff Rosenberger and then Larry Householder. And speaking of which, you know, Larry Householder is now going on trial in federal court. Uh, the FBI is bringing their case against him for um, mo- there's money laundering involved. There's corruption. There's bribery. Uh, all kinds of things are going on about his role in navigating a bill called House Bill 6 through the assembly for uh, the ma- a major energy company up in Northeast Ohio called First Energy, and that they paid over $90 million to get this. Well, what would have caught it, it was worth over $2 billion to them to get this bill in place. So, you know, 90 million to get uh, or a return of 2 billion. That's a good, that's a, smart that's a nice investment. Yeah. That's a smart investment. They just didn't do it smartly. And the wheels fell off and four people, two have already been sentenced and are in prison now. And the other two, Larry Householder, who was the former house speaker and a guy by the name of Matt Borges, who was the former chairman of the Ohio Republican party and a political operative. Uh, both are now facing a federal court trial over their roles in this and how much they they did or didn't do. And, uh, you know, that's going on right now. And so you would have thought that would have been the highlight of, okay, we got all this corruption behind us. We're settled now. You know, we've got a new speaker coming in. Um, And and in November, very clear, it looked like Derek Maron was going to be the speaker of the House. The House Republican Caucus got together. They had a vote inside. He overwhelmingly won, had his uh, leadership team put together. And they don't take a formal vote on speaker until they convene for the first day of a new session, which is the first Tuesday in January. Um, And so that was this, you know, the beginning of this month. And when they got there, all of a sudden there was a a, a move that was made, a coup was was put forward with a, a member of the House Republican Caucus by the name of Jason Stevens, who is a legislator out of Lawrence County. Actually, he's my rep. I hate to say it, but he, he, he's the guy I'm stuck with, uh, just like I was stuck with Ryan Smith when he was speaker. It's funny, you know, Chuck, I've now, I've now been the direct uh, constituent of two different speakers, neither one of which I want to work with. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Well, it's, uh, because, a, it's a strange bedfellows, my friend. Because, because Jason Stevens came in and he cut a deal with the Democrat caucus who delivered him. 32 votes. His Republican colleagues delivered him 22 votes. Okay, so he has been elected speaker over Derek Maron by having a majority of votes come from the Democrat caucus. Now, they swear up and down, no deals were made, no promises were made. I'm calling foul on that. That's a lie. Yes, that's that's a complete lie. And everybody knows it, and they know full well that the, you know, there's a handful of measures, um, including the uh, raising the threshold for a constitutional amendment vote, which, you know, I, I'm kind of torn on that one myself. I'm not sure I like that idea or not, but I get where they were going to with it. Um, but, you know, the key things that they're talking about that we're probably going to die in this session under Speaker Stevens um, is uh, the backpack bill, the education choice bill. Well, I'm intimately involved in that because I work with Citizens for Community Values. Um, excuse me, Center for Christian Virtue. I, That's I right, Center for name. Christian Virtue. I, I maybe maybe I'm a little more sick than I thought I was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Center for Christian Virtue, who's been pushing this bill forward, 
you know, now we're being told that, you know, based on the way they're going to do it, we may not get the bill at all because Stevens is opposed to it. Um, and why in his, you know, in his district, you know, we are poor Appalachian areas. Um, you know, it would be a great thing to encourage school choice and encourage private schools and Christian based schools to start up knowing that kids can come, they can leave the, the public school and come over and, you know, become a student and bring the money with them. And I don't understand why someone who represents an Appalachian area and he, he's one of them. And Jay Edwards, who is now the, has been named the, the house finance committee chairman who is from uh, Nelsonville in Athens County. They both, they both have stridently opposed the backpack bill. They both have districts where backpack would be gr- a great thing to encourage the startups of private schools. How, of, how much money did OEA give him? Oh, uh, well, one of his largest donors. Uh, I figured. One of Stevens' largest donors, and I think also one of Jay Edwards' largest donors. Don't want to talk too much in code. OEA, Ohio Education Association. Ohio Education Association, the teacher's lobby. Teacher's lobby, uh, the, yeah. The, the public education teacher's lobby. Public education, uh, not not the private so, lobby. So they, cut, so they basically did this coup, and with the Democrats basically providing the majority of the votes, they elected Jason Stevens' speaker over Derek Merrick. Now, that created a massive firestorm of issues. Um, first and foremost, about a week late, you know, well, less than a week later, that Friday, the state Republican Central Committee met to bring in a new chairman of the party, a new a new executive director, and they um, elected the former Hamilton County, Cincinnati area uh, county party chairman, Alex Triantafilu, um, who, you know, I'm holding out some hope that he might actually be a fairly decent guy. Uh, on this, and he might, you know, be able to help. The first thing they did was they brought forward a resolution, basically censuring Jason Stevens and the twenty and the twenty-two Republicans who helped vote him in, uh, and created this coup with the Democrats. Problem is, Chuck, just like so many well-intentioned things, the resolution when it was introduced had had some teeth to it. It basically said that they'll censure them. Which, you know, a censure is a slap on the wrist. You know, just saying bad, bad, you're bad. You did a bad thing. Well, this one had in it that they they could not receive endorsements from the party or from county parties, and they couldn't receive any uh, funding from the ORP. Oh, well, before that got voted on, there was an amendment that was offered that just erased those two lines and got rid of the teeth in in the resolution, which made it basically just like a politician's promise. It's written with water on sand. Yes. It means nothing. Now, this may have had a little bit of effect. I mean, obviously, the grassroots are all fired up about this. But we've had a number of the county parties who have also issued their own resolutions, uh, basically along the same lines as a state resolution, censuring or condemning the act of these 22 Republicans. Um and theirs can come with withholding endorsements. Uh, and if that is in your own backyard, you're getting you're getting censured by your own county party. Yeah, that's not that's not a happy thing for you because that will encourage other people, probably who are party activists who may be on that county central committee to consider possibly running against you in the, well, in the next election. Well, sort of like we had here in this district, uh, we had Mark Fraser, yes. which nobody liked. And we had Thad Claggett, uh, 
who a lot of people like because they know him and he's a uh, businessman around here and he's a, I've done some work with Thad Claggett on a number of things and his brother who his recently deceased brother, but uh, he, he Thad Claggett should have defeated him, uh, should have defeated Mark Frazier in the previous election, but that was the shenanigans election with the, uh, the the, householder and the money that was being given by first energy to go out and spend on people that were loyal to householder, which Mark Frazier was a householder loyalist. Well, it was the one where we monkeyed with the uh, date. Uh, yes. Yeah. It was the, the primary date. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the, the primary date. Absolutely. Now I'm glad you mentioned Claggett because, you know, I, 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 I'm happy to tell you that he's one of the 35 who stood and voted for Derek Merritt that day. And he has stayed with Merritt. Um, you know, and the thing that's happened now is, we now have two Republican caucuses, Chuck. We have the Stevens caucus, which has about 20, ah, they have about 26 or 27, okay? And I'm going to say that because you had a few people. Claggett has stayed with Marin, uh, but you had a few of the Marin voters who in the last week or so have kind of slipped away. And, and they've done that because Stevens, uh, just this, this last Tuesday, Chuck, uh, as we're recording this, this is on Thursday, on Tuesday, brought forward a rules package, and you had a number, you had like six or seven of the uh, guys, people who had voted for Derek Marin to be speaker, had come over and voted for the package with um, Stevens that Marin's caucus was opposing. They wanted some amendments to the House rules, and they didn't get it because what Jason Stevens did was something I've only seen two speakers before ever do. And one was John Houston, and the other one was um, the uh, our immediately past um, speaker, Bob Cup, And they completely ignored Republicans standing up to be recognized to speak on the floor of the House to offer uh, duly filed amendments to a motion that was on the floor. Just completely ignored them, wouldn't recognize them, recognized Democrats over them, and then called for a vote to shut them down. That's authoritarian mentality. Oh, yeah, that's a and, Nancy and, Pelosi and, move. Yeah. And Jason Stevens has done this on the first set of votes after he became speaker. It, that kind of sets a tone for what the rest of this session is going to look like. Now, part of the reason why he got some of those those Marin folks over, well, he offered them chairmanships of committees. We have 27 standing committees in the House now, Chuck, including seven subcommittee, well, not including seven subcommittees of the House Finance Committee. So that's 34 committee chairmanships or subcommittee chairmanships that could be offered to people. Now, of course, there was also two slots in his leadership team that he offered to people who supported Derek Merritt. Now, um, the two people who got called, I wasn't really surprised. I, I really wasn't surprised by the two who got into leadership and, and, and why, but we'll leave that alone. We'll talk about the leadership team on another time. So now we've had two rounds where you now have a caucus of about 30 to 34 people working with Derek Marin, who should have been elected the speaker. And then you've got this group of about 27, 28 Republicans who are working right now with the 32 Democrats, and we'll see what they offer up. Um, and But one of the things that they did with these rules, Chuck, and I think it's so egregious, is 
sometimes during the session, members leave. You know, they either sure. take another they take another position. They, they take have, a they lobbying move, job or a, or an they, administration they, job or administration whatever. job or they move out of the district or they pass away. Yeah, you know, or they become in, incapacitated and they can't do the job. Historically, what has happened is when an, a seat comes open uh, and a sitting legislator leaves, and we're actually going to have this happen here shortly, because Brian Baldridge, who's the representative uh, who represents like uh, the the uh, western half of Lawrence County over to the west, like Adams and Brown counties, um, he has been picked by Governor DeWine to head up the Department of Agriculture. And so he'll be leaving the House shortly, um, as soon as the Senate does confirmations, which will probably happen in the next two weeks. There'll be an opening, to, and his seat will need to be filled. Well, he ran for election, so he's sitting in, in a term right now. And so the only way you fill that seat is by appointment. And then the other person will then have to run to keep the seat in the next cycle. Um, the historic way this would happen is you'd go to the counties in the, in that district and the county parties, uh, would basically get resumes and then they would send names to Columbus, to the, to the speaker's office of people that they would like to have interviewed by the house Republican caucus, uh, to, to consider for the appointment. And then the house would convene. Uh, you know, and since this is a Republican right. seat, the House Republican Caucus would would convene a panel of about six or seven members, usually from around that district. But there, you know, there might be one or two from different from other places. Um, and then they would sit and they would interview these candidates. Um, you know, they'd come in and sometimes they'd have like two hour interviews with these candidates. And then they would make a recommendation to the whole caucus. And then the caucus votes on who gets the seat. That's not how that's happening now under the new house rules. The new house rules, they've done away with that, that process of the panel. And now if the way it's written is the house speaker gets to appoint unilaterally someone to fill the seat. So if the colleagues don't get a chance to make it, you know, to have a say in it, the speaker, again, another authoritarian move, Chuck. The speaker gets to handpick yes men to and yes women to fill these open seats. And of course, we're right. in the second term of a governor, and usually there's a lot of turnover from his first cabinet to his second cabinet. And we're already seeing that. And there'll be more appointments coming either from the House or the Senate and more seats that are open. And usually if a Senate seat comes open, the members, the House members who are in that Senate seat of the same party usually go over and apply for the Senate seat because it's a great way to move to the next chamber. And so you might still, you might have, you may have a half a dozen or more before we even get to June seats coming open in the Ohio house that the speaker, Jason Stevens, the uh, coup speaker gets to personally unilaterally appoint people to fill those seats and thus give himself more votes. It's, you can see why the Marin caucus wanted amendments to these. To oh, some of these absolutely. House rules. Yeah. It's a, now, it's course, a uh, dynasty building move. Right. And of course the minority leader, Allison Russo from Columbus gets to do the same thing because each, the Democrat caucus would do it the same way. So of course the Democrats supported that idea. Russo supported that idea. Um, 
but they didn't have the 35, you know, or 30, 32, I think is what the final vote was. They didn't have the 32 Republicans who support Derek Maron supporting these House rules. So now we have a split caucus, two Republican caucuses that are meeting separately and a set of House rules that will get challenged constantly. Do you understand that it's going yeah. to be an interesting two-year process here Eric. in the Ohio General Assembly? And we're going to be lucky. I know working with CCV, like I said, backpack bill, but that is the only thing. Pro-life stuff. If they cut deals with Democrats, Democrats don't want pro-life stuff. Oh, no. Democrat, Democrats do want the CRT being taught in the schools. The Democrats do want uh, the sexual transgenderism stuff protected. So our bills like the Save Women's Sports Act, and the SAFE Act to protect, you know, under underage children from medical experimentations are probably dead on arrival in the House. Yeah. So we'll probably have to do something like work them through the Senate and force it down that throat of the House, which I'm fine to do. Um, and, and of course, that's the reason why I want to get healthy again, Chuck, is because I need to be there jamming some of these things in, in and fighting with some of these people. Because, right. again, this this coup speaker is my representative. And I can barely get him, you know, you can call him up and you got very little response out of him because he's completely tied to the Columbus power lobby. That's who got him in. That's who went behind the scenes and worked with it from from the unions to some of the some of the big power lobbyists like Doug Price at um, uh, Van Meter Ashbrook. Uh, these guys got in there and and did, created this coup so that they get their guy in so they could block good family centered um beneficial legislation like backpack like save women's sports like the safe act like life you know uh, banning abortion those are the bills that the democrats don't want and those are the things that were almost absolutely positive they were promised would never see the light of day or never get out of committee and so therefore we're going to be fighting extra hard against this coup rump caucus and trying to support, hopefully at some point, a vacating of the chair, um, you know, and getting enough people d- disgusted with the way this authoritarian move is taking place and what's going to, and the fruit it's going to, uh, the poison fruit it's going to develop yeah. to basically come back in and say, you know what, we're going to rethink this. It's, we're going to switch this up. Well, you know, I, when you brought this up, the first thing that came to my mind, what's one of the driving forces for people to defect and take a, a uh, um, one of these chairmanships at, in return for, uh, you know, um, uh, going with this, uh, rogue chairman. Well, we had, we've had a number of them who did it. I mean, as far as yeah, uh, there's a list of the people who supported Marin first, but then who voted for the rules package and every one of them either got a chairmanship or they got a, uh, position in leadership. Well, think about this. Uh, I'm, this may have crossed your mind. I'm sure it has at least in part, one of the driving forces and hear me out is term limits. Yes, it is. And the reason is these guys have to make a splash inside a, a, a relatively short window. What is it? Uh, eight years in the house and yeah, they, well, they can serve four, two year terms in the house yes. consecutively. And it's more like 12 in the Senate, I think. No, no, it's eight in the Senate. It's two, it four eight years in the Senate. Okay. Yeah, it's two, four year terms in the Senate. So I was thinking it was three terms there too. Okay. No, no uh, just, what, it's four, four terms of two years in the house, two years of four terms and two terms of four years in the Senate. 
If you're thinking about perhaps someday running for the House of Representatives or the uh, or the you know the Ohio uh, the Senate from Ohio, not an Ohio senator necessarily, but uh, the uh, federal Senate from Ohio, you got to get your name out there. And the way you get your name out there is to get on a, uh, is to become a chairman of a committee which which deals with important re- legislation. And the only way to do that inside of an eight year window, either you um, do what you suggested as well, and that is go from the House to the Senate when a seat opens or mm-hmm. the Senate back to the house when a seat opens. Yep. Or get yourself uh, the way they, these guys often keep their, their uh, careers, uh, at least their name out somewhat in front is to take a cabinet post yep. um, or something else. If he's in one uh, in the part of the party that's favored, that's what it looks like to me. Now, uh, uh, you know, I, I've, told people that I've tried to explain this to people what the problem is with uh, uh, term limits. And I, I've told people, I said, if you want to see how term limits will work, look at Ohio. Ohio is a disaster precisely because true conservatives find themselves uh, after their eight years on the outside looking in, they have to finance their own comebacks. They have to, uh, uh, you know, fight an uphill battle against the party because the party breaks its own rules regularly and endorses in primaries. Um, you know, the central committees and such are supposed to stay out of primary elections and they don't. Uh, Melanie Lenahan, who, who is, uh, on a state central committee, you, uh, you and I both know her. Um, I've talked to her about this numerous times. She goes, Oh, these guys are corrupt as can be. They, they don't care about the rules. Yes, the rules say you can't do that. We do it anyway. So this yeah. is what happens. You, you actually, instead of uh, um, putting an end to corruption, term limits actually increase the effects of corruption. Mm-hmm. This is why I, I'm adamantly opposed to term limits because good guys find themselves outside looking in and bad guys find themselves in perpetual seats. They just switch back and forth or get it or find other jobs in government. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think the same thing won't happen at the federal level, you are insane. It will be multiplied by 10, if not 100. It will be at yep. least as bad. Um, and another thing that came to my mind, you and I talked about this yesterday, just f- for a minute, uh, before my before I went into the dead zone <laughs> um, in my car. Um, this looks an awful lot like we did a show, oh gosh, uh, last year maybe, where the big push was ranked choice voting. And we yes. stu- we stood opposed, and can, well, I will always oppose ranked choice voting. So uh, will I. All, although uh, it seems to be, oh, we're we're going to fix problems with ranked choice. Anytime a politician tells you we're going to fix problems with with some this or that or another thing, be very afraid. Be very very afraid because what ranked choice voting does, it uh, encourages coalition building where the left will get together with the middle uh, of uh, the 
let's let's just Democrats on the left will team up with moderates on the on the Republican side who are really Democrats in Republican clothes. They're they're Republicans because that's the only way they can get elected currently. Pretty much. They'll team up with them to get all kinds of bad stuff through and to seize chairmanships, which is exactly what we saw. The sad part is, is that the state central committees who know what's going on. Yes. Refuse to issue any sanctions for that. What does that tell you? That means that the moderate uh, who are really uh, Democrats, but they run, uh, they, you know, they're in around Republicans. Well, my mom and dad were Republican. Therefore I'm still a Republican, even though really this guy over here on the left really uh, is, is more my kind of guy. We, we need to bring the Republican party further to the left. Right. Cause we need two left leaning parties. So this is exactly what's happened in this case. We we had the the rough effect of rank choice voting. You know, we just went through a, a conservative resurgence, and how did the Republicans handle it? By trying to turn to the left. Well, why is that? Because the the uh, uh, centrists and the leftists in the party can feel themselves losing their grip on power. So therefore, they're going to have to do whatever they can do. What? Ever they can do to continue to hold power. And folks, don't fall into this thing. You know, Barry mentioned it at the, at the front, and I, I want to bring it up. Not my representative. You need to be in really close observance of your representative because not my representative or not my school district or not my pastor Oh, you'd be surprised. You, you, I really think you'd be surprised if you if you take a look at their records and what it is they're actually saying or teaching. Oh gosh, that is going on here. And so it's what uh, the one that gets me. Uh, people always come up to me and are mad at me. Why didn't you tell us? I did. Exactly. Why didn't you listen to me? Well, you've got a reputation for being a, you know, a radical. And I'm like, okay, so does that, does being a radical, which I'm not, but does being a radical necessarily mean that you, you're not telling the truth or that you, you're not being observant? Well, no, it doesn't. Um, it, it's time we started listening to some people who are quote unquote radicals because uh, now we've got the backlash and we have people starting to pay attention, but is it too late? Is it too late really to save the Republic? It may be, um, you know, uh, we, we just had a, uh, uh, and I talked about this in the God government and governance thing. One of the best things that could have happened. And that is it took 15 ballots to elect a house speaker. Uh, all you heard from the leftist media was what a horrible thing it sh they're disorganized and it, it just shows how how um not unified they are and i said great it's time to stop being unified and stop start exposing some of these phony balonies and i'll be quite honest kevin mccarthy is a phony baloney he's going along right now uh because he has no choice he's been he's been served notice 
that if he does not fix some of these problems, they're going to do a vacate the chair. Uh, yeah, there are only 20 some guys. Barry and I talked about this years ago. We talked about how many people it would take to really stick together and really, uh, have an agenda to, uh, to push legislation and policy in the house of representatives. And I said between 25 and, uh, probably around 25 to 45 members of a caucus. Yep. Because it's a group that they can't get legislation passed without dealing with that caucus. It can't be done. Except by exposing themselves for what they are. And they don't want to do that because they know once that happens, they get beat. And we saw that happen with, uh, uh, several of these people that, that, uh, served on committees and voted to impeach Trump twice, uh, and that kind of thing. But why? Because they're, they are leftist Republicans. They didn't like Trump because he's not a globalist. What happened to him? Out. Exactly. And that's why they got to play it careful. They have to play it very carefully. Have to. Or or they, they could face a serious challenge. And, you know, let's face it. Some of the suburbs of Cleveland, you're going to get Republicans that are Democrat, you know, Republican in name only. You can't avoid it. Right. Why? Because the, the districts are uh, centrist. We, I get that. Uh, you can't force conservative candidates on on voters. You can't. You also can't force ultra liberal candidates on voters. Um, they just they won't buy. Um, that's why these guys are cagey, and that's what's going on here. They they're being cagey. The guys are like, yeah, well, we want those chairmanships. We want to keep our name out there. We may, we, we may want to run for Congress. We may want to run, run for the Senate. We may want to do this. Maybe governor someday, uh, you know, lieutenant governor, blah, blah, you know, uh, auditor, uh, attorney, state attorney general, state uh, um, department, you know, the uh, um, elections. Uh, what's the um, secretary of state, all those things. That's what's happening. They're all thinking about a future in politics and they're doing it because we messed up and put in term limits in part. They're corrupt. First of all, the, the main problem is they're corrupt, but this is the, the way of, uh, of keeping their corruption alive. Oh, absolutely. And of course, when we didn't put any kind of actual parameters around those term limits, I mean, oh yeah, you can only run, you know, four consecutive terms in the house, but there's nothing stopping you from then immediately filing to run for the Senate and run two consecutive four-year terms over there, then refiling for the house and going back. And we've had, we've got seats in the Ohio legislature, at least two, if not three of them where that's all that happens. And for the last 30 plus years, ever since term limits went into effect, Chuck, that's what's happened is 
and the House member sits there for eight years and runs. The senator sits there for eight years and runs. And then they file for each other's seats and flip back. And they've done this now three, possibly four times. Um, it, you know, and it's really up in Northeast Ohio. Uh, there is a there's a seat in the Canton area that the uh, same people have been in office. Well, you know, Chuck, I've been around the legislature now. We're in 2023. I have been around the legislature now since um, uh, almost 30 years. You know, I was I started in 1993. That's 30 years. Yeah, this is your 30th anniversary. These same two people were there when I got there, and they're still there. And a similar situation is happening with a seat in Lorraine County, and it's a mother and son combo where the son's in the Senate and the mother's in the House. And when they get done, they flip. Boom. She goes to the Senate. He comes to the House. And they just keep going back and forth. Well, in the meantime, we've also seen people who were friends of ours and were supporters and, and were very uh, um, um, helpful to us who find themselves out on their behinds. Yeah. And have to work, 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 work to get back in. Yeah, that's true. And sometimes when they come back, they're gun shy. Because they, yeah, yeah, they know what's coming. That's true. That's true. Um, and, you know, they're, they're tired of doing that. They have the drive to get in and get the legislation, uh, you know, help get the legislations through. But it, it wears on them. It wears on them because it's supposed to. Yep. Um, it's true. And, you know, w- what can we do? Well, believe it or not, and I, I realize I'm swimming upstream, but let's get rid of term limits one. And let's, like, seriously get involved in, in party politics. If you want to stop this thing, you got to run for a committee. Uh, you got to run for uh, uh, precinct committeemen and all that right. kind of stuff. In, your, in, your, in a county. Yep. And then, you know, and usually once you do that, then sometimes you open to go to the state level. So, I mean, the reason why that uh, resolution actually got passed is because we've had a concerted effort over the last six or eight years of activists trying to put people on the state central committee uh, who are conservative. And we've gotten a situation right now where you have a fairly large number. It's probably not a majority, but it's plurality of members of the state central committee who are conservative. And so when they work together as a block, they can get things somewhat accomplished. And just like the 30 plus people who are with Derek Marin, they stay together as a block on votes and on pushing their agenda. They will get some things accomplished, but they're, but they just have to be willing to commit to the long slog all the way uphill, you know, because that's, that's what it takes. Yeah. Well, I hate to do this. Guess what? We're out of time. We're out of time. Um, hopefully, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you'll you have your next infusion or your last infusion next week. Yeah, next week. So we'll we'll, we'll play it by ear as whether or not we. Do yeah, this. we'll see. We'll, we'll do see. this again next week, or you're right. going to be working on something else. So that's right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another principles and policies. 
If you messed up like I did when I was your age in college, know that God loves you just the way you are. Come here, seven-year NFL veteran Steve Grant at the 14th annual RUC Fundraising Banquet. The theme this year is Choosing to Win. Join us for this special evening at the Villa Milano on March 10th. Festivities begin at 6, followed by dinner at 6.30, and then the program at 7 p.m. Make your reservations today at relationshipsunderconstruction.com.